I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Shine, 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 shine. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all shining bright. We're going to shine it up. Welcome to the Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. Come join me on this journey as we unpack the Real Housewives of Melbourne, deep dive into all things that I do, spirituality, manifestation, self-empowerment, and being a psychic medium. And I'll chat to some friends along the way. Hello and welcome back to our second episode together. I hope you all enjoyed the first episode last week. This week, I want to take you all through my IVF journey and even talking about it brings up the memories of me going through an emotional journey that I don't think I was ever, ever fully prepared for. I want to talk about my thoughts, my feelings, my ups and downs. I want to share it all. I feel like it's really important to share my story, especially now that I have this podcast community so that others feel safe and supported to share their stories and not feel ashamed or alone in the process. I share a lot of my journey on the show, Real Housewives of Melbourne, which you will all see from next week, but this journey was a really, really long one for me. And even talking about it, God, I'm starting to tear up now. (laughs) It's probably all the baby hormones. Our journey to twins started back in 2019. When we decided we were ready for a baby, I mean, I think to be completely and utterly honest, Ben was ready for babies as soon as we got married. It was really, I think Ben more or less was waiting for me to be completely and utterly ready to have children. I always had this knowing that I wanted to be a mother, but I also had this fear of what that looks like. Will it impact my life? Will I be a good mother? Will I be able to give my children everything that they deserve? I was scared. I was fearful. I was fearful of probably losing who I am as a person emotionally and and not being able to do all the things that I still do with my work and how will that look if I have children with my work? Will I still be able to have all the things that I want? And you come to learn you can have everything that you want, but not all at the same time. But, you know, all those emotions are running through my mind. You know, I've got all the time in the world. I don't want to give up my job. I don't want to give up my social life. I don't want to give up just being able to pick up and go wherever I choose to go, whether that's traveling with Ben, how will that impact my relationship with my husband? Because my relationship, I see a lot of relationships that have broken down over the years because there wasn't enough balance or communication in relationships when they've had children. And I've seen it a lot over my time of doing psychic medium readings. So that also impacted my judgment a little bit about having children straight away. I wanted to enjoy my life with my husband. And I also wanted to enjoy just being free with him without any other responsibilities, you know. 
And I suppose that sounds selfish, but I also want to be very honest and real about it. I was scared. I was scared of, will I lose the person that I am? (sighs) On the journey to twins for Ben and I started back in 2019 when we both, more me, decided we were ready for, for a baby because, like I said, Ben was ready as soon as we got married, which was 11 years ago. On The Real Housewives of Melbourne, I'm really open about not being ready to become a parent and have children. So the thing I think that really changed my mind, and I'm talking about in the first seasons of season one, two, and three, where I was still struggling with a concept that I'm not ready to have children. I was fearful. I was scared. I was scared of, I don't know. I think I was scared of everything. Like I said, not being able to give my children or child everything that they truly deserve or losing who I am as a person and not being able to work the way that I do and be able to follow through with my goals and my life purpose and how will that impact my life on an everyday level. So was there something in particular that made me change my mind? Yes, there was. And it was when I was on the TV show, the reality show called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And even talking about it, I'm tearing up a little bit. I think, oh, my God, maybe it's the baby hormones <laughs> running through me right now. But when I went into the jungle in South Africa and I was chosen to go on that show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, I wasn't fully prepared for the emotional aspect of that journey for me personally. So... I feel like the catalyst was really in that moment when I was sitting in the jungle and I was there for over four weeks and you're in a campsite and you're amongst other people and all you have really to do is think. Yes, you have your challenges, but there's a lot of laying around. There's a lot of thinking about your life. And when you're not around your loved ones, it really puts things in perspective. You know, not seeing Ben or or my family, mother and father and sisters and siblings and friends for over six weeks became really challenging for me. But what it also did for me is every morning and every afternoon I would meditate. They didn't always show that, but I would meditate on my wants and where it is that I would like to go in the next five to 10 years. There was like in a moment of when I, when I was sitting in the jungle I had this moment of I don't want to live this life and be a 70-year-old woman and look back and not experience being a mother and not experiencing that with the love of my life, Ben. And it was that moment and I was laying there on that ridiculous cot in the jungle. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm crying. But it just brings up those those memories of I was getting older and I knew if I don't do this now, how long have I got left? My biological clock is ticking. I'm 37 and a half, 38, coming into 38. And I just thought, I need to do this now. It was a, it was a, it was an awakening for me. It was my aha moment, and in the stillness of a lot of being by myself and and talking to the universe about my wants and my needs, that just kept flashing in my mind. And I also knew that I wanted to experience being a mother with the love of my life, and I didn't want to wait any longer. And 
like I said, crying sometimes on that bloody cot in the jungle really makes you think about things because when you're away from your family and the love and support of your family and your loved ones, it really does put a lot of things in perspective. So the jungle was my moment. After deciding that we were ready for children, how long do I think it realized that I actually realized that I needed to seek help in terms of my fertility? So when I came out of the jungle, I went overseas to Croatia. I was born in Croatia, if people don't know that about me. And Ben and I try to go back every year. We've got a place over there that is just really my happy, happy place. So when I came out of the jungle, I said to Ben, I need to retreat and I need to retreat overseas. So can we, let's, let's go to Croatia. And we did. And for six months in Croatia, we tried and I was following an app, but stupid, silly me was following the wrong app. <laughs> so I was having sex at the wrong times. Oh my God. I mean, I'm having sex anyway, but having sex at the, oh, I'm fertile right now. Am I? And then I went, it was just never happening. And I went, bloody hell, like what is going on? And so when we came back from Croatia, which was around October, November of 2019, I went and saw my IVF doctor and I said to her, you know, I've been trying for six months here or six to eight months or something like that. And I'm just trying to get this timeline really accurate, but it was about maybe six to eight months and we're heading into Christmas into 2020 and I was like, like, what's going on? And she basically said, my IVF doctor basically said to me, listen, and I started crying going, oh, my God, like, am I ever going to be your mother? Like, am I getting too old? Like, have I left it too long? Like, what have I done? Is this, like, have I, have I really stuffed up my chances here? Like, maybe there is no eggs left. Like, I don't know. And she said, listen, my IVF doctor here in Newcastle. So what had happened was, I came back to Newcastle because I wanted to be around my family. My sister had just had a child. I needed to be around some family after coming back from Croatia and I needed to see my little nephew who I hadn't spent any time with. And I just said to Ben, let's just spend, you know, a few months in, in Newcastle and just hang with the family and just take some time out from Melbourne, from the housewives, from television, from everything. I looked at some IVF doctors in Melbourne, looked at some IVF doctors in Newcastle. And the reason I looked at Newcastle is because we were staying here at the time and I was like, I need to actually get a move on with this. And my IVF doctor, her name is Sue Winspear, she just said, listen, we don't have time to be crying. You just got to get with it. And the next week I was doing IVF. So I went in for my consultation. The next week I was doing IVF, but then I was thinking like, hang on, maybe... I should give myself a little bit of time. And, and I was like, no, we're not waiting around for times. So let's just get moving. And I had no idea what IVF meant. And what I mean by that is what it involved, the injections, the hormones, progesterone, egg retrievals. Yeah, you've researched it and you're talking to your doctor about it, but it doesn't kind of connect in your mind like what's about to actually happen. And I remember I said to Ben, okay, are you okay with this? Are we going to do this? Are we going down this route of IVF or do you want to keep trying naturally? He goes, listen, Jackie, let's just do the IVF. Let's get this moving. I thought, okay, this is going to be easy then. Let's go. Let's get it moving. Little did I know it was not easy. Little did I know that 
all the needles I would have to undertake, all the hormones I would have to undertake, how it would make me feel emotionally, physically, how the emotional journey would go up and down for me. Be sad one moment, be happy one moment, I'd be okay one moment, the weight gain, the bloat, the everything. And I said to Ben, all right, if we go down this path, I said, there's one thing that you need to do for me. I said, you have to do all the injections and you have to manage all of that because I need to be in a mindset where I can stay positive, where I don't have to worry about the injections or doing that myself or worry about the appointments. So Ben goes, babe, I will do it all. I will do the injections and oh my God. Any woman out there that is going through IVF, you have to have the love and support of your family and your loved ones. And in the beginning, I didn't tell anybody for the first two rounds I was doing IVF. And the reason being, I reckon now when I look back, is because I was embarrassed a little bit. I was a bit ashamed. I I felt like, God, like, can I not do this naturally? Is there something wrong with me? Like, I didn't want to discuss that. I felt a bit ashamed. I felt ashamed that I couldn't fall pregnant naturally as opposed to going through IVF. And I thought there was something wrong with me and I didn't want people to know. And I didn't want people to know because I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to be judged that I needed help to have a baby. We did a lot of tests. So first round starts. Ben gives me the injections. And, oh, my God, can I tell you, it looked like I was pregnant a week later. The hormones and all the progesterone and just everything that you go through, my God, my stomach looked like it was bloody five months pregnant, man. Like, I was like, what is this? Oh, my God, I can't go out. People are going to actually think I'm pregnant. And, by the way, people actually did ask me if I was pregnant and I was just going, oh, no, this is just, I'm just bloated. The month has come. I was really, really not prepared for what the physical changes were going to do to my body and how I was going to react to that. I reckon the first week I was okay and then a few days after the first week when I was still taking more injections, I started to feel myself emotionally getting really like frustrated and angry and, and sad and, and okay. But little did I realize it was even though I was told this is what the hormones can do to you, it was really starting to take a toll on me emotionally. So I told my mother that I was going to do IVF, but I didn't tell my father and and my sister. and I didn't tell any of my close friends. I didn't tell anyone. The only person that knew was mum and Ben. I reckon that I did that because, again, I didn't want to be judged because my sister fell pregnant so easily. And, of course, she's younger. But also I just didn't want to be judged. Not that I feel like my family would judge me, but this thing of – I don't know, it was me, you know, like, oh, she's got to do IVF because she's waited so long to have children. And that's kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's the European thing, like my family have always been loving, supportive of everything I've ever done. But in saying that, my dad would always say to me, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, what's going on? You're going to have some children, you're going to get married. And, you know, when you hit 30 and it's like, what's going on? There's still no children. 35, there's still no children. So I can understand from their mentality and I'm not going to judge my parents on their mentality because they come from an old school conservative mentality and that's very European. So I just didn't want to be judged. And that was my thing. It wasn't anything to do with other people. It was me. And um, the diagnosis I was actually given was unexplained infertility, actually, to be quite fair. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And um, anyway, so I just kept going on with it. So my first round, 
went and did the egg retrieval and I thought, what is this? I thought, oh, this is good. I'm going to fall pregnant straight away. It has to happen. Like we're going to get the eggs. We're going to fall pregnant straight away and that's going to be it. So off I go, do the egg retrieval. Ben does what he has to do. Uh, You all know what that means. Then they put the sperm and the egg together and becomes a blastocyst and let's see how this is going to roll. So when I did my first egg retrieval, I remember going, oh my God, this is like so painful. Like, God, I just think that I just was in this land of you just got to do what you've got to do. And then when I went back to the doctors and did my first egg transfer, I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. And then you wait, you know, 12 days and you're kind of sitting around going, oh, I wonder if this is it. And I get that phone call and they say, sorry, Jax, you're not pregnant. So for me, it was the first time. I was like, oh, okay, well, it's only the first time. All right, that's fine. So let's go again next month. So off I go again next month. But what I have to say is that first moment when I was told I wasn't pregnant, I was more like, oh, well, maybe this is the thing you've got to try and do a couple of times because, you know, there's a lot of medications you've got to try and we've got to try and see how my body reacts to certain things. So I kind of had that in the back of my head, right? So I was like, all right, well, let's go again. Oh, my God. So going again meant they had to go through this process again. They had to do the needles, make the appointments, and I still hadn't told my friends and family what I was exactly doing. Then the friends started saying, you're going to have babies. Like, what are you doing? You're getting older now, Jackie. And, you know, it's things I didn't want to answer. And nobody knew I was doing IVF. And I didn't tell anybody. And so anywhere Ben and I went, my medication had to come with me. And I would make up excuses what was in those bags of needles. Oh, this is for uh, something else. I'd make up a story. And I thought, how many times am I going to keep doing this? Like, just not telling anybody or being transparent about my experience. So the second time I do my IVF, second round, and I remember going through that round and going for another egg retrieval and, you know, you look at your hand, you wake up and you go, how many eggs do they collect? Well, let's just see this. And it's like, you know, they collected, say, 12. And then by the time they put the sperm and the egg together and it becomes a blastocyst, it might come down to, we only got four. I'm like, fuck, 12 from four? Jesus, okay, all right. God, I love you. What's like going on? Like there's only four. There was 12. So the other, you know, eggs, follicles, all of those things, nothing was working. So they've got four left and I'm like, well, that's good. Still got four. Then I go for another egg transfer. 12 days later again, I wait and they go, Jackie, you're not pregnant. We're sorry. So don't be sorry. It's fine. Everything's going to shine through. We're going to be fine. And then the doubt started creeping in a little bit in my mind. Is this ever going to happen? Oh, my God, I want to do more tests. Let's see what's happening. But I thought, I'm not going to do all these tests yet. I'm going to just go again. So the next month I went again. And even my IVF doctor said, God, Jackie, you're in such a good mindset. And I'm anybody that knows me knows that I'm very good at taking my negative thoughts and turning into a positive very quickly. And I mean, that's taking years to do. And there are times I still stew in things, but I'm pretty good at being able to be resilient, move on and go, all right, that wasn't meant to be. So I've got my faith going. I haven't lost any faith yet. So I go, all right, I'm going for the third round. Off we go again next month. And he's doing the needles, doing the appointments. And I can see myself struggling emotionally now. I'm getting more 
frustrated. I'd get, sometimes I'd cry. Sometimes I'd feel really yuck about myself. I'd look at my stomach and it's so bloated out. It's almost like I'm pregnant, but I'm not pregnant. It looks like you're pregnant. You're feeling all the hormones are being pregnant, but you're not pregnant and you don't have control over your body. And I started feeling like, what is going to happen next? What happens if this doesn't work? And the questions and doubts started creeping in because now this is my third round. Ben was so supportive. He was always like, babe, it's going to happen. It will happen at the right time. We just got to keep going. We just got to keep doing this. And Ben understood that I had to take on the hard physical activity and even Ben. And sometimes I feel like this is what we forget, that our partners are going through the same things we're going through, but obviously they're not going through the physical emotions of it, but they're still there going through the emotional journey with you. And sometimes I felt like he didn't understand even though he was so supportive. I was like, you're not understanding what I'm feeling. I feel so bloated. I feel so yuck. I feel so, you know, I've got headaches. I feel like I'm put on so much weight, but it's the fluid. And, you know, you don't have control over your body and you're going through all these emotions. And sometimes you think you're not understanding me, but I've never spoken like that to Ben, but it's because of these hormones. It's making me react in different ways. That's really not conducive to who I am as a person. And I thought, oh God, I'm becoming a freaking whinger, man. Now I'm feeling like, is this going to affect my marriage? Is this going to affect my relationship? I'm doing this and what happens if I don't have children by the end of this? And all these doubts were starting to creep in again. And I have to meditate and try and stay positive and have faith that it will happen. Anyway, go for another egg retrieval. Third, fourth, fifth egg retrieval. No pregnancy. By this point, I was losing hope. I was losing faith. I felt like, and this is me thinking these thoughts. If I can't give my husband a child, what is the point of all this? Like, is he still going to stick around? And yes, my husband loves me unconditionally. I love him. He's my soulmate. But this was never about questioning our relationship. It was about me questioning, if I can't do this, will that make him think a certain way? Even though he would never think like that, these are the emotions that run through a woman's head. Well, this is the emotions that ran through my head anyway. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I was getting fearful. I was getting scared. I'd cry to Ben. I'd talk to Ben about it. And he'd just hug me and say, don't be so stupid. I married you because I love you. Whatever happens, we're always going to be together. But they have thoughts that go through your mind. Then I started doing some tests. I did all the tests to see if something was wrong with me. And I remember my doctor ringing me up. She said, Jackie, so this was around the fourth, fourth round or fifth round, maybe the fifth round. She said to me, So we've done a test on you. Like we've done some blood tests and we've also, when we're doing the egg retrieval, uh, you know, we one of the egg retrievals, we found a couple of things and we just want to check some things. Anyway, she says to me, you have stage four endometriosis. And I remember going, what the fuck does that mean? Because I never heard of having endometriosis before. Of course I've heard of endometriosis, but me having it, I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, what does that mean? Do I have cancer? Is something really bad? Is there like, even though it's not that, all these thoughts, because I'm on hormones are running through my bloody head. Like uh, stage four endometriosis now? Does that mean I'm never going to have children? Does that mean that my ovaries are just not working? Shit. Like, what does that mean, man? And I just started crying. Ben just hugged me and he goes, it's okay. You're not dying. Everything's going to be all right. These things are are things we can work around. You know, knowledge is power. 
And I was like, I felt like month after month after month, I was being bashed down. Like I'm giving my everything. I'm trying to stay positive. I'm trying to be happy, but I'm not happy inside. I'm not happy inside because I'm not falling pregnant. It's now my fifth round. And now I'm being told that I have stage four endometriosis that potentially was stopping me from falling pregnant. And she was very much like, we don't want to do any operations because what I can do is it can stop according to my IVF doctor. If she did an operation, it can take some of your eggs away or something like that. I've got to explain that properly, but you can lose some of the eggs that you have. And she didn't want to do that or the follicles. I don't know if I'm getting that right, but it was around that situation. I was like, she goes, so we're not going to do an operation. And we're just going to keep going because you still got a lot of egg reserve there. It's still good. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. But what does that mean? And in that moment when I was told I had stage four endometriosis, I said to Ben, I need two months off. I can't physically and emotionally keep going back to back every month doing IVF. I need a break. And so we're heading into Christmas around this point. And Ben goes all right, why don't you do one more? Why don't we do another round before you have a two-month break? So this would have been the sixth round, just before Christmas. So I was like, this would have been around November, early November, 2020. Yeah, 2020. And anywho, so I do another round. And by this point, I'm losing faith. I'm crying a lot, but I'm crying, not in front of people, just, you know, in my bedroom. But after my fourth round, I started telling people I was doing IVF. I just had to. I had to be transparent. I didn't want to bullshit to people because that's not who I am. And maybe some people that have done IVF know that I'm doing IVF and um, I didn't tell anybody. And then I just opened up and I started telling everybody. And everybody was like, because I'm such an open and honest person that it just felt so freeing. And I thought, why the fuck was I not telling anybody? Like, this is all because of how I felt about me being judged about falling pregnant naturally. And I didn't want to be judged on a woman level. So I started telling people about my IVF journey and the support and love that I got was amazing. I was like, oh, what an idiot I was. I should have just told people from the start. And Ben was very like, let's just tell people like, you know, you don't want to hide this. But I didn't want to tell people in the beginning. But then when I opened up after my fourth IVF round, the support that I got was just out of this world. But the, the thing that I didn't like is that when you tell people, and this is probably another thing that made me not want to tell people in the beginning, is that they know your timing and your process timing. So it's like, so are you pregnant? after you do the egg transfer. And when you've got to say no, it's heartbreaking. It's embarrassing. I used to find that, you know, I'd be like, I don't want to tell people that I didn't fall pregnant. So people would be like, where are you at with your cycle now? So it was all these emotions of one of the reasons why I didn't want to tell people. But when I started opening up about it, I just went, fuck it. I'm going to tell everybody. It was just amazing. I felt freer. I felt lighter. And a lot of women were talking to me. I mean, I was already doing readings for a lot of women that were going through IVF that weren't telling people. And it was in that moment that I remember doing a reading for somebody and this person, oh, it's not just one. There's been many that didn't tell any of their family members that they were going through IVF and nobody knew. And she was devastated and she was on a verge of a nervous breakdown because she'd done many rounds and she didn't have anyone to talk to. And I thought, no, this is not good. If I can be somebody that can inspire women to open up about their IVF struggles, 
and be open and transparent and start the conversation, we can all help one another because you feel better. You don't feel alone. So coming back to when Ben said, come on, do one more round. And I feel like this was maybe the sixth, fifth or sixth round. And I said, all right, this is right before Christmas, November. And I said, all right, okay, let's go again. And I was just like a bloody emotional mess, man. Like, look, I actually feel sorry for Ben. If I was a dude and I had to put up with me, I'd be like, oh my God, like, fuck. Like, you are a drainer, Jax. Mate, crying, being upset about the littlest things that you don't even need to be upset about. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. I could just sit here and cry watching a little bloody commercial ad with a little child giving their mother a hug. Like, the things I would cry about. Or that I'd get frustrated about, and then Ben would start laughing. He'd never get upset with me back, and then he'd give me a hug and just tell me how much he loves me. But I think, holy shit, like if I was me, if I had to put up with me during that IVF process, I would have said, girl, I love you, but I'm going overseas and I'll see you when it's done. No, I would never do that. But like, you know, we forget about that our partners are going through what we're going through, the emotional up and ups and downs. So kudos to my amazing, gorgeous husband that just loved me unconditionally through my anger, sadness, crying over the most ridiculous things and just being there and supporting my every step of the way. So I went and did another round. But when we're doing another round, I remember going, oh, my God, how many eggs are we going to get this time? I always, you know, every time you wake up from an egg retrieval, you're like, oh, how many is on your hand? And sometimes when you only see four, you're devastated because you're thinking, well, that's four. Maybe I'll only get one that's a good blastocyst that's going to work and keep growing and turning into something. So I'm praying. Mum's praying. All my friends are praying for me. They're praying that I fall pregnant. And you know what's really funny here is that even though I was going through all of this and how did I pick myself up, something deep inside of me knew, and I'm getting goosebumps even talking about saying this right now, something deep inside of me knew that I would be a mother, but I didn't know when. I didn't expect it to be like this. I didn't expect that I'd go through an IVF journey like this, doing over seven rounds of IVF, going through all these egg retrievals, and egg transfers, never in my mind did I think that it would be like this. And I did have a dream actually. And I actually say it in season one of The Housewives and I think season three or four that I have a feeling that I'm going to have twins. And I dreamt my grandmother that had come to me who also had twins that said to me that didn't make it. She, she lost her twins when they were a few months old, but, you know, she was my Croatian bubba in Croatia in the village. Those days were completely different to the way we live now, obviously. But she came to me in a dream and said, you're going to have twins. You're going to be okay. And that was during my IVF process. So anyway, do this next round before Christmas. Ben encouraged me and I thought, okay. And even my IVF doctor said, I've never seen anyone like you. You just keep going back. Your mental state and your mindset, I've never seen somebody that can stay so positive in such adversity. And I said, it's not always easy. I'm challenged. Why not show it? But I know how to switch it off. But there are days that I cry and I'm very transparent about it. And there's days that I lose my faith and I think, like, what have I done wrong? Like, are you punishing me, universe? Because I waited so long and, uh, you know, I was running around living my best life. Now I'm getting older. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I go and I do this round. I get this phone call. Now, at this time, at this point, all the nurses know me. I'd walk in. I'd be like, hey, girls, are you shining it up? Is everything good? Like that's the way I walk into a room. I send blessings to everybody and shine. And for me... It was very much a thing of just how I interact with people. And so they all come to really love me as I loved all the nurses. You know, you'd walk in, you do every trip, what's going on, you go for your scans, ba 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 ba. So I remember I was doing a psychic medium reading when I received the call and I had to finish my reading. I rang the back and they just said, oh, Jackie, can you just hang on a minute? And I said, yeah, 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 I'll just hang on a second. She just said, we've just got to do something. This is one of the nurses. They put me on loudspeaker and they all scream out, you're pregnant. You're pregnant. And I was in shock. I was like, what? Is this really happening? And I'm like, are you sure? Uh, Am I really pregnant? What are my HCG levels like? They're the hormone levels. They're your um, levels of knowing when you're pregnant, they go up and up and up. So I'm like going, this can't be real. I'm actually thinking that this is, you know, five to six IVF rounds in. I don't actually believe that I'm pregnant at this point. Like I'm just like, I do not believe it. And I'm just in shock horror. And I actually sit in that space for a minute and think, I I just don't believe I'm pregnant. I'm like, are you sure they're going up? And they're like, you HSC blood tests? are showing us that your blood levels keep going up and up and up and up. And I'm like, okay, so anywho, get off the phone. Like I said, I'm sitting in that moment and I walk outside and my dad is sitting under the olive tree like he's still back in Croatia. (laughs) Mum's there. And I said, I'm pregnant. Ben looked at me. Dad looked at me. Mum looked at me and they just looked at me and said, what? So I just got a phone call. I'm pregnant. My dad goes, oh, my God. Mum goes, get the rakia out. Rakia is this like um, Croatian, uh, like grappa that you drink. It's like a shot. And so and I'm still in shock. Seven weeks later, I'm like, all right, we've got to go for our scan and do what we have to do. And I go for my scan and everything's there and the baby's there. And I'm like going, oh, my God, this is really, really happening. And then I think I was just in shock. And my blood and my HCG levels were still going up. And it was like I was excited, but I didn't want to get too excited. And I remember saying that to the nurses, what happens if this doesn't work? Just I just said that to the nurses and they said, Jackie, everything's fine, everything's going up. But it's almost like I felt like it was too good to be true because of all the setbacks that I've had with IVF, the emotional ups and downs and everything that goes with it. Anyway, I had to go for my next scan and it was I think it was my nine week scan or ten week scan. And I remember waking up that morning of the scan and I woke up and I turned to Ben and these were my exact words. What happens if the baby is not there? Because don't be so ridiculous. Of course it's there. And I said, 
no, I, I feel like it's it's not there. I just had this feeling, this intuition of my angels and the universe telling me something wasn't right and I had this anxiety come over me and Ben was like, don't be so ridiculous. Of course it's there. But somewhere in my soul I knew something. So we go for my scan and they're all, hey, Jax, what's happening? How are you going? And the scan lady, she starts looking and I could see her face drop a little bit and I knew. And Ben wasn't looking at her. I looked straight at her and um, I said, it's not there, is it? I want to say it's not there. Of course, the fetus is still there. And, and you know, of course, I, I, it was just my way of trying to pro- – I said, it's not there, is it? And she looked and she tried to look for a heartbeat and then she said, no, I'm sorry. And Ben just goes, what the fuck? And I started laughing. I didn't cry. started laughing. That was my way of dealing with that one moment, the first scan I went for, I saw the heartbeat, we heard the heartbeat, and then the next scan showed there was no heartbeat. And I didn't cry then. Went and saw Sue Winspear, who is an earth angel, my IVF doctor in Newcastle, and I continued with Sue Winspear because once I started, I didn't want to use anybody else. That's it. That was my, I had my trust in Sue Winspear and I'm going to keep going. Anyway, she said, Jax, I'm sorry. And I'm still not crying. I'm just like sitting there like laughing. That was my way of dealing with it. And that sounds ridiculous, but that's how I dealt with the stress. I, I laughed. And all I said to her was, I want it out now. I'm not waiting for it to pass. Get me in immediately. So they got me in the next morning because this was late afternoon. And they did a curette. But I'm going to tell you, when I walked into that hospital, no, I'll go back a bit. I've just kind of washed over my feelings of what I went through. So that afternoon when I went home, went into the bedroom, and that's when I cried. And Ben let me be in that space that I needed to be in. And I didn't think it was going to affect me, but it did. I thought, I'm going to be okay here. It's going to be all right. But then I just started crying uncontrollably. And I remember thinking that maybe I'm not meant to be a mother. Maybe I'm not meant to have children. Maybe it's never going to happen and maybe I've just got to give in to the process it's never going to happen, that I'm never going to be a mother, a mother the natural way, being able to give give birth to my own babies. And I remember Ben walking into the room and he just hugged me. He just kept saying, it's going to be all right, baby. It'll be all right. I promise you it's going to be okay. And then I thought about all the people that I told I was pregnant to, and now I'm going to have to go back and say I'm not pregnant. And so for hours and hours and hours, I laid in that bedroom 
in our bedroom and I was just really sad. It was like this sad, overwhelming feeling. And I remember I went to bed that night and I dreamt again my grandmother. And for some reason I knew that I'm going to be okay. Didn't know how that looked, but I knew it. But it still didn't stop me feeling the emotions I did when I walked into the hospital and even the people that came to know me that, you know, my anesthetist and the nurses there, they'd all be like, Jax, how you going? Blah, blah, blah. But this time they just looked at me because they knew I was there and, and they just said to me, and some of them even teared up and said, sorry. And I said, it's not your fault. It's nobody's fault. You know, maybe it's the universe's way of saying that something's not quite right. With this child, I wasn't meant to be. And I remember being wheeled in to go for this curette. And I was very much sad. I was so sad. And I kind of trying to hold the tears back, but I couldn't. And even the anesthetist and the doctors there and um, the nurses were like, we're so sorry, Jackie. Like, they were so beautiful. They were like, this is not what we wanted for you. You know, we didn't want to be here doing this. And I just said, it's okay. Let's just do what we have to do. Drug me up. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to feel any pain. And let's get moving. And so went in there. They did the curette. And in a weird way, when I got home, I kind of felt like lighter. I felt lighter. I felt like... I don't. I can't explain it, but I felt like that I had all these people that loved and supported me, even in the hospital, my family, my beautiful husband, and I felt like something in my mind and in my soul was like it just wasn't meant to be. And you got to keep your faith and you got to keep going. But I decided I am not doing IVF for another two months. I'm taking two months off over Christmas. I'm going to drink. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to eat, I'm going to do whatever the hell that I want and I'm just going to live in the moment and not think about IVF for a second. I needed a break emotionally and Ben said it's a great idea and so did my IVF doctor. So what did I do next? Went away on holidays with some friends, got a beautiful house on the beach, just relaxed, just lived in the moment with family, swam, ate and it was just just living in the moment. That's what we did. And it felt really, really good to not be thinking about injections, IVF, the bloat, all these things. But I will tell you, there were times I would be like, like I don't know if this is going to happen, but something inside me would say, it is going to happen, Jackie. So took my two months off. Maybe it was about February or late January, late January, February. I do another round of IVF. And I just said, I'm going to let it all go. And what I mean by that is I am not going to tell myself and be hard on myself. If this is meant to be, it will be. I remember even when I had the um, miscarriage and I walked into my parents' place and my dad just like jumped off the couch and gave me a big hug and said, I'm sorry. I said, no, it's all right, dad. And mum said, I'm sorry. And they were a bit emotional. I said, it's okay. We're going to fall pregnant again. It just wasn't meant to be. And it's like I had this ticker inside of me. It was like, you're going to shine up. You're going to do what you have to do. You're going to have faith. Everything happens for a reason. Don't know what that reason is just right now, but everything happens for a reason. You are going to step up. You're going to walk in your truth. You're going to do another round and you're going to stay positive. You're going to keep exercising. You're going to keep being the positive 
gorgeous self that you are, Jackie, and you're going to shine the fuck up. And so I did. Went for another round. I changed my mindset. Even at the times when I'd felt a bit sad, I'd be like, get up, get exercising, talk to your friends, go for a walk, do something that's going to change that trigger of negative thoughts. So off I went throughout that month of doing my egg retrievals and doing my IVF. And no, I never injected myself. Ben did every injection, every appointment. My husband was my savior during this time. And I thank God and the universe for Ben every single day. Everything I ever asked for in a man, he is it plus a million more. Ben is my soulmate and I couldn't have gotten through it without my husband, without my family, my loved ones, my friends, my support. So anyway, go for this last round. I feel like this was maybe the seventh round now. Come out and there's a number on my hand. I think there was maybe 10 or 11. And I've taken photos over these times on my social media just to show people that I'm going through. If any other women out there are going through IVF, I feel you. I know what you're going through. I know it's sometimes it's a fucking shit show and it hurts and it's sore and it's emotionally taxing, but you got to keep your faith and you got to keep going. And I always said to myself too, if I can't fall pregnant naturally, even though I had that miscarriage, there are other ways. Adopting, is there a way maybe I could use a surrogate? I don't know. But I knew there are other ways that I could try and be a mother or become a mother outside of having my own child naturally. And so went for the next round, get a phone call. The phone call that we all wait for so anxiously. Every phone call those nurses would make, I'd be anxious. Am I pregnant this time around or am I not? And in fact, there was this one time I took a pregnancy test and rang up Ben. This is before the one I felt pregnant and I had a miscarriage and said, Ben, I'm pregnant. And little did I know it was all the progesterone hormones that I was taking from the injections is the reason it showed up that I was pregnant. And Ben was so excited and then was deflated when I said, oh my God, it's not a pregnant. And I went and got a blood test. It's I'm not pregnant. It was just all the hormones. You know, I went through that. And I t- sometimes I'd take three or four home pregnancy tests throughout the times I was doing IVF to be like, oh, my God, am I pregnant? I'm pregnant. You know, all these – I'd done all the things that probably most of you ladies out there did. I don't know if you did that, but that's what I did. Anyway, do my seventh round of IVF and let everything go. And then I get this phone call. And I said, it was almost like I didn't want to hear the good news. So it was like this. It was like, I'm not pregnant, am I? And they said, no, you are. And your HCG levels are over a thousand. And I went, they're twins. I said, they're twins. And they all started laughing, the nurses, because they always put me on loudspeaker. And I was like, just so happy. And I cried. I cried. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you, universe. I knew in my soul this was it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And even when I did my egg retrieval before that seventh round, I just, it felt different. And when I did my transfer, even Dr. Sue Winsby said, I think we've got it this time, girl. I think we got it. So I just let everything go. I was like, okay, you know, let's just see how this goes. But when they said my HCG levels were over a 1,000, from the first phone call, I just knew it. I knew, and I knew they were twins. I just knew it. I rang up my IVF doctor. Well, she rang me and then we were playing phone tag and I said, I've got twins in there, don't I? She goes, I can't confirm or deny that. We need to see what goes on. But yeah, the possibility could be a high, a high chance. I said, I know they're twins. I said, I know it. And Ben was so happy and I was so happy, but the fear started kicking in. 
what happens if I have a miscarriage? She put me on strong progesterone and for my lining of my uterus. And there was a lot of things that I took just to make sure that everything shines through. So, you know, I go for the first scan, see the baby's heartbeat, go for the next scan. But every scan I went for, I was anxious. I was anxious. I was anxious, man. Was I not anxious? I would actually say, and every scan that I did, I couldn't look. I'd just say, is the heartbeat still there? Just tell me they're still there before I look. And they'd say, the heartbeat's there, Jackie. So I was very much like, this is my start to motherhood journey. I just felt different about this one. What I also knew was what, and I'd ask myself this, and I'd ask the universe this, I had this miscarriage. I've done all these rounds of IVF. What is all this for? Of course, it's for me to learn about something, but also I knew it was about trying to help other people. I had a dream. This is after I was told I was pregnant and I get a phone call from the Real Housewives of, from the producer, Lisa Potash from the Real Housewives of Melbourne. But I had a dream and I said to Ben, I dreamt that I was filming Housewives season five. She rang me, Lisa Potash, the big boss, the big executive producer that casted all the Housewives for every season that made that show what it is today, success. And when she rang me, I said, you're asking me to come back, aren't you? And she just goes, you're just unbelievable because I've given her readings and vibes over the years that have been absolutely true. And one of the reasons that I did this show or was accepted on this show is because I had told her what her grandfather's name was when he passed away and how he passed away. And she didn't even know her grandfather's name. And I've talked about that in my book, Shine It Up with Jackie Gillies. But she starts laughing. She goes, yeah, we want you back. Do you want, will you please, please come back? Because I said no to the season that was about to start and the COVID happened. And I said, yes, I will come back. And I knew in the depths of my soul that I needed to talk about my IVF journey on this show, The Real Housewives of Melbourne season five. And I talk about everything. I am raw. I am honest. I talk about how it affected me, my family members, my husband around me. I mean, everything that I went through and everybody else went through. And so I knew in that moment that that was one of the reasons I had to do this show for season five was to start the conversation about IVF on a major scale. And I wanted to be honest about I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I didn't want to talk about doing IVF. I didn't want people knowing. I didn't want to be the bearer of bad news every time I did IVF. And am I going to fall pregnant this time? And then it doesn't work. And then you've got to say, no, it doesn't work. And through me talking about it with my friends and family, I actually encouraged other people to try IVF. I encouraged other people to talk about it that wouldn't usually talk about it. And they would be like, Jackie, this is so free. This is so liberating. This has changed my life to talk about my IVF journey and process. And it's not easy, man. Not easy at all. And I understand what you, all the women out there go through and the partners I understand because it's not easy for you either. You're there supporting your loved one through everything and you can't always help them because you're not going through it physically, but you can help them as much as you can emotionally, but you're trying to do the best that you can. So how do I feel about becoming a parent to not just one baby, but to two? I'm scared. Not in a bad way or a negative way. I'm scared. I, I'm scared because I don't know what to expect. Yes, I've been around babies and I've helped, you know, raise my little nephew and I babysat him as a newborn age. And he'd stay over at our place sometimes for some nights because my sister would work night shift. 
But that still doesn't prepare you for your own children. I'm scared. There are times that I start getting anxious about, oh, my God, the bassinet sheets or do I have enough stuff to take to the hospital? What happens if I take the wrong things? What happens if I don't bath them properly? Like, it's, I mean, of course I'm going to bath them properly, but they're little thoughts that what happens if I do something wrong? What happens if they have a cough or something's going on with them? It could be worse than it is and I don't even know about it. Like all these things run through my mind and I want to make sure that I'm able to give my children everything that they deserve and more. And that is to be a loving parent without judgment. That is the biggest thing for me that I need to and want to realize is loving my children unconditionally without judgment. And I'm scared as hell, man. Like I don't just have one. I've got two babies. Like how the... Am I going to breastfeed them both in the two breasts? Like, what the, like, these are all things, man, that run through my head. What is if one's a cry and one's not? What is if they all cry? And then you've got to stop being manic about it and you've got to come back into your peace of mind. If my mom can have three children under the age of five and she did it by herself, why can't I do it? So I try and put myself in that frame of mind that even though I like go, Oh my God, I'm so scared and I am scared. I have anxiety about it because I don't want to do anything wrong. But, you know, I think it comes down to you just got to play it by ear and take it one step at a time and just be present and ask for help. I feel like us as women need to ask for help more and not feel ashamed for it. And so let me tell you, I've asked my mum to move in. I've even said, Dad, you can move in too. Mum and Dad, both of you move in. I've got my friends coming around. I'm going to get as much help from my family and friends, my loved ones, my sister as possible. And even if that means sometimes, you know, trying to bring a nanny in to allow you to go on a date night with your husband, you know, you can't forget your relationship. And there are other things I'm scared about. I'm scared about, will my relationship suffer? When I have these two children, what will happen to my old life? And what am I about by my old life? Like I can't just pick up and go like I would usually. Now, that sounds pretty funny. <laughs> like, I can't just say, girl, I'm going, I'm going away, you know, for a weekend. And what am I going to do with the babies? I've got to take them with me. Or, you know, or I ask my mum to help me babysit them so I can take time out with my friends and my, and my husband, because that's important too. I'm not going to lose my relationship. And I, and I think sometimes like, can that be an effect on my relationship? And I don't want it to be. So all these things play in my mind. But in saying that, I'm so excited to see. I want to meet them. I want to see how they look. I want to see if they look like me or look like Ben. I want to see their little feet and their cute little chubby choppers, like their little cheeks. I want to see how they look. And I also want to meet them and I'm excited. So I'm ner- so it's all these emotions, nervous, scared, excited. Am I going to grieve my old life? I mean, is that a natural thought? Even my IVF doctor said, Jackie, we don't go through these thoughts every day, all day. You know, um, I want to make sure they're safe and all those things and that they're healthy and yeah. So it's everything. I'm excited. I can't wait to meet them. Then you get anxious and you get nervous and, oh, it's too late to back out now, girl. I've got like, and boys, two twins sitting here. They're kicking me. I'm not far off from giving birth. I think a contributing factor to why IVF isn't spoken about is because people on the receiving end, not the person actually going through IVF, just don't know what to say to someone. And I understand that, right? Because when I wasn't going through the pregnancy journey, I knew some people that were going through IVF, I wouldn't quite know what to say other than just keep your faith and keep it moving. 
Like I'd say things like that. And so for me or anybody out there listening or everybody out there listening, should I say, how can a friend be supported with someone go through IVF? I think just being there and just being a, a loving support person, just saying that, you know, whatever's meant to be will be, you know, you're on the path now to motherhood, you're taking all the right steps, just be an ear to listen without judgment and just be there for your friend through their ebbs and flows. If somebody's crying, go over and visit her and bring her some chocolates because that's what my friends did. <laughs> Those are the times I'd like ring up and go to my doctor, am I allowed to have one wine? She's like, nope. I said, all right, if I can't have a wine, a red wine, then I'm going to go out and have some chocolate. <laughs> there's, there's a, you know, just be an ear, just be an ear to listen to your girlfriends. How did I cope with friends and people around me falling pregnant throughout the IVF process? That was hard sometimes. It really was. You know, my sister fell pregnant easily. And you know what happened when she fell pregnant with a third child who is now little Kai is so gorgeous. She walked in the room and I knew it. And I was just came off the back of having a miscarriage. She started crying and she said to me, I'm pregnant. But she kept saying, sorry, 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 sorry that I'm pregnant. And I thought, nobody should ever have to feel like that. I said, no, we're going to celebrate your pregnancy just because I'm going through mine. I don't, and, and listen, it did kind of affect me a little bit because, you know, I just had a miscarriage and I was like, my sister just felt pregnant easily. It didn't happen for me easily. But I didn't want to be that person that was jealous or envious or like, well, why, why is it happening to you and not me? And of course I've had those thoughts over the IVF journey, but in my mind, it was like, I didn't want to take that away from somebody that's fallen pregnant, excited, but then she felt like that towards me. And I didn't want anybody to feel like that towards me. So yeah. And you know, I, there were times I'd say to Ben, how come everybody else falls pregnant easily and not me? And then Ben would put me back on my path and say, because that's their journey and not yours. And he was right. This is my journey. And however that looks, I've got to look at the positives here. The positives are I have a beautiful family that love me very much, that support everything that I do, will always be here for me. And that's what's important to any person that is having or going through IVF, that you have and you're open a support network around you that can be there for you emotionally, physically, and spiritually that you can call up, that you can trust. Because when you don't, it's so hard doing it. But I, I couldn't, I could never have done this IVF journey by myself unless I had a complete and utter network of, of, of a loving family. And I was very open and transparent because it is hard. It's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy. It wasn't easy for me. Might be easy for other people. For me, it was not easy going through IVF, the miscarriage, the emotional journey, the physical journey. And I think, you know, a lot of people think, what should you say or what shouldn't you say to someone going through IVF? And I think there's no wrong thing or right thing to say other than if you need something, I'm here for you. You know, obviously IVF is not an easy process, but if I can help you in any way, just talk to me. Just let me know. But I think sometimes being a bit invasive, like, you know, in the sense of when you have an egg retrieval and you're like, I want to know, did you fall pregnant? No, allow that person to tell you if they are. And if they don't want to discuss it, don't ask them. And I get that because there was times that I didn't want to discuss it, you know, round after round after round. No, I'm not pregnant. Like how many more times do I have to keep telling you people? And I know they're all coming from a good place, but for me, it didn't always feel like a good place because it felt like a failure every time I got that phone call and it was very much, no, you're not pregnant. How did my husband, how did Ben cope with the process? Oh my God. He was my lifesaver. Ben was my everything. 
If it wasn't for Ben, I wouldn't have kept going round after round after round. That's a fact. That's for me a fact. I had the most amazingly supportive, loving, gorgeous husband, even when I was going through my shit show of emotions and going through IVF process during this COVID pandemic that we're still in, wasn't easy. And he was my everything. And Ben was my earth angel. He really is. And I can't wait for him to be a father because he's going to be the most amazing father. Oh, I know all the fathers out there are amazing, but I'm going to tell you that I know that Ben's going to be, these children are going to be so blessed and so lucky to have their father be Ben. They they just are. He is so amazing. He, he, I, I can't even, I can't even translate into words how amazing Ben is. <sighs> that was a big one, guys. If you have any questions, please feel free to, to ask me about IVF. And, you know, some of you guys have sent in some questions. Ask Jackie, which I love. They're coming from Instagram. But I feel like this has been, even talking about this, even talking about IVF and talking about my ups and downs and my ebbs and flows <sighs> has been something that's been positive for me in my involvement as a person, in my involvement that, you know, we all go through challenges. Some might feel like theirs are bigger than others, but we all have our own challenges we go through. And, you know, a lot of things that people do ask actually is what were the first initial, like, did I ever feel like my body and mental state changed during IVF journey, 100%. My mental state and body completely and utterly changed, even through my stimulation phase of my ovaries. And let me tell you, like, and if you've seen my social media, I've taken photos of post-egg retrieval, how my stomach looked. I had people that would come on the street and ask me, oh, my God, I'm so happy that you're pregnant, Jackie. And at this point I was talking about IVF. I said, I'm not pregnant. I'm going through IVF. And they'll be like, <gasps> I said, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you didn't know, but it looked like I was freaking pregnant, man. <laughs> the stomach. And my mental state did change. And I was, and there were times like, and I've talked about this. There were times that I didn't want to go out of the house. I'd be very emotional and, and sad and frustrated. And, and that was just, and I'd overreact to things that didn't need to be overreacted to because of the hormones. So yes, that all changed. If it wasn't for my family and friends and my husband, my support system was amazing. People out there, please be transparent about your journey and talk to your loved ones. I love you all. Thank you for listening and sorry for my crying, but I had to keep it 100 and, and I didn't mean to cry, but you know, I did. And I hope that my story inspires you to open up and talk about your journey because you're not alone. I will see you all here back next week, guys. Don't forget to tune in next week. I will be recapping the first housewife episode. And my very first guest, guess who it is? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Gina G, Gina Liana, my girl from Real Housewives of Melbourne season one, two, three, and four. We will be discussing everything. All right, guys. Love yous. We're going to shout it up. Thank you, guys. I just love and adore you. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe, rate and review, which helps others find the podcast. For more, follow me on Instagram at JackieGillisTV and the podcast at ShineItUp underscore with Jackie Gillies. And I will see you all next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.